Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. But it's amazing. You know why? Because the longer you stay around Jesus, the more significant just staying around Jesus becomes. Just stay in the boat. Translation for you today, stay in the church. Stay in the house. Do whatever you can to stay connected to this body. Hear me today. That's the only way. You're going to make it to the other side. First of all, I think we can stop for just a moment. Let's just celebrate where we used to be. I know we can stop right there and we could probably have a party and we can celebrate it. Anybody agree with me? I'm not who I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. I don't think like I used to think and I don't talk like I used to talk. I'm not the dad I used to be. I'm not the mom I used to be. I'm different. I'm not who I once was and I thank God for that. But at the same time, I know in my heart of hearts that there's more. I know in my heart that the best is yet to come. I know around the corner, God has even greater things for your life, for my life, for this church. I'm here to tell you, God's got more. Amen. While you're still standing, go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. We'll jump around here this morning for just uh, right here while you're still standing. Mark, chapter 4. I want to read verses 35 through 41. Bible, it's okay. We'll throw it up on the screen for you. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35, says, On the day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now I want you to notice quickly in chapter 5, verse 1, It says, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Then, then they came. I want you to remember that word, then. Jump over to Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Another storm now is brewing. And it says this in verse 45. Immediately he, Jesus, made his disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side of Bethsaida. While he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out, 
for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. I love, I love Jesus. He's, he's a wild man. <laughs> be of good cheer. Meanwhile, the waves are crashing around them and, the, and the, the sky is gray and dark. The wind is howling and Jesus is like, be of good cheer. You know, if I'm in the boat, I'm like, why? There's no good reason to be of good cheer. Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. And verse 52 says something interesting. It says, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land, Gennesaret and anchored there. I want to talk to us this morning uh, from this title, In the Meantime. I want to talk to us about life in the meantime. Would you help me pray right now? Feel the presence of the Lord in a mighty way. I want him to speak to each and every one of us. Lord, we love you. God, we simply come before you as humbly as we know how this morning, God, and we just invite your presence into this place. I pray that you would speak to us, God, speak to our hearts this morning, refresh us through your word. I pray that you would help us, encourage us, God, as we do life in the meantime. God, I pray that you would be with us and remind us, God, not to be fearful, but remind us that you're with us through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. How many of you here this morning have, um, have ever been on a road trip? A show of hands, all right. How many of you enjoy road trips? How many of you are never going on a road trip again in your entire life? <laughs> I got one. Not surprised with my father. <laughs> I saw a post from a friend of mine the other day. He posted on Facebook a picture of him and his family traveling down the road and it was he had this caption that said we've driven to Florida multiple times we have flown to Florida multiple times this time I mean it never again will we drive to Florida (laughs) and uh, you know kids have a way of doubling the length of any road trip that you go on and my parents said amen they have a way of just stretching that 10-hour trip into a 15-hour trip because I got to go to the bathroom. I got to stop. You know, things like that. I remember as a kid growing up and we would go on, uh, my family, we didn't vacation a ton, but there was sometimes we, uh, I remember a couple times we had traveled out to Colorado and uh, this past April, I actually flew out to Colorado and it just reminded me of the nightmare road trip that it was. Uh, 17 hours uh, one way. Uh, and, and I mean, that alone, it just gives me nightmares to think of 17 hours in a car and we didn't stop to get rest at a hotel. We were on a budget and we stopped at the rest area and we slept in the car. That's how we save money. Of course, when you're one of five, you know, boys and stuff that you got to save some money. Right. And so, uh, I can remember traveling out to Colorado, 17 hours, made it, had a great time. Colorado's beautiful. It's 
it's a great place to go uh, and just kind of refresh, relax. Uh, but I remember the trip home. I'll never, ever forget the trip home. Um, the trip home, again, 17 hours there. On the way back, the vehicle decides to break down in Topeka, Kansas. Now, if you've ever been to Kansas, you know heading out west that once you get past Kansas City, there is absolutely nothing. And that's where we were, in the middle of absolutely nothing. Topeka, Kansas, the van breaks down, and there we are at some gas station. Uh, there, 17 hours out to Colorado, 28 hours on the way home. Praise the Lord. 28 hours. Unbelievable. But I, I do, thankfully, that didn't, you know, completely uh, discourage me from road trips. My family and I went on a road trip this past uh, past year. We dro uh, drove out to uh, Texas, had an amazing time. It was 10 hours there. Well, that felt like a breeze compared to any other trip that I've ever been on. And the kids were amazing travelers. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the medicine we gave them on the way there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want a sucker? Yeah. No. Now, one thing I know about road trips, and you know this to be true, uh, and, and let me say this, uh, kids, you don't go to conferences or conventions to learn to learn this, uh, this, this, this particular phrase. It's just universally understood, and it is universally accepted. When you are on a road trip, there is a classic question or a phrase that is always used by children anywhere and everywhere. And it's usually, usually approximately 40 to 45 minutes into the trip, into every trip. Kids ask the question, Dad, hey, Dad. And there's silence in the front seats. Right? Because they know exactly. Hey, Dad. Yes, son. Uh, are we there yet? And again, silence from the front seat. As if they were up there praying, help me, God, my children are idiots. <laughs> you know you've said it. Don't. All right? Like, if I'm the dad, my response is, what do you think? Are we there yet? We literally just left the house. The car has not stopped. And when the car stops and when I open my door and pull you out, how about then are we there yet? <laughs> what do you mean are we there Yet, of course, we are not there yet. And you know what the truth is? The truth is, as a child, I knew we weren't there yet. I knew that. I knew that we weren't there yet. That wasn't the point, right? The point was, hey, Dad, I've done everything I know how to do. Now I'm bored. All right? 
So we need to coordinate here when I'm done doing what I'm doing and you arrive to where you're supposed to be going, right? We need to coordinate that so we're all, because I'm sitting back here, I've already counted all the cows, I've counted all the telephone poles, I've worn out the slug bug game, you can look at the bruise on my brother's arm, and I have, I'm done with the alphabet game, all right? Are we there? Yet, because I've done all that I know how to do, I've listened to all my Ronnie Millsap cassette tapes. <laughs> Don't act like you know what I'm talking about this morning. Smoky Mountain Rain. Yeah, you know it. Come on now. I mean, it's like, Dad, I've done it all. What else do I do? What do you mean are we there yet? Dad, I've done it all. What else can I do? I've run out of toys. I've run out of games. I'm out. Are we there yet? Because I don't know what to do now. You ever ask God that question? God, are we there yet? I don't know how God responds to you, but sometimes I feel like he has this deep voice. Like if you listen to the, the Bible is and uh, you listen on the dramatic version, it's like, yes, my son. You know, I'm not sure. Maybe that, that's just kind of how I picture God. You know, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I mean, God would be like, yeah, what's up? You know, I don't know. But that just doesn't seem like God to me. Uh, I don't know how God speaks to you. I don't know how you hear from God. But, but uh, have you ever asked God the question, are we there? Yet, wherever there is, we, we know we are not there yet, right? We know that. Some of us, we've been following Jesus for a long time, and we know that we're not there yet, but that's not the point, is it? The point is, Lord, I, I know that you've got me on a plan, a purpose, a pathway, and a destiny. And I have a grand sense in my heart that you are taking me somewhere. But I just need to know, am I there yet? Are we there yet? Because, God, I've done everything I know how to do down here. I've done everything I know how to do in this season. I, I've increased my daily prayer time by 30 minutes. And I've increased my Bible reading by a chapter or two every single day. And I have upped my, my witnessing to uh, used to be one person or two people. And now I've upped it to three to four people today, uh, a day. I've got all my spiritual disciplines in line and where they need to be. Shouldn't I be here now, I'm doing everything I, I know to do. Shouldn't I be there now? And here's the question that I want us to consider this morning. What do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're supposed to be? What do you do there? What do you do in the meantime, you know, we don't talk about the meantime that much because the meantime doesn't make headlines in any culture or any country, does it? It's not about the meantime. Like in America, Sports Center does not show what goes on in the meantime, right? 
that you turn it on, Sports Center doesn't talk about uh, the athlete that is getting in his exercise and he's getting in his Wheaties and he's eating his Wheaties every morning, right? They don't talk about that because that happens in the meantime. All that they show is the guy dunking the basketball or the baseball player hitting the home run or him hitting a hockey puck into the net. We are a highlight-oriented society. We want the highlights, and we want to live from one highlight to the next, one promotion to the next promotion. Not much is made of in the meantime. For instance, history typically does not record the meantime. I mean, the Bible, the Bible doesn't even record all of the meantime. You think of the life of Jesus from 12 to 30 in the meantime, and it mattered. I mean, you got to think about that. From 12 to 30, there's not much there. I mean, you got to think he had to deal with being a teenager. He had to discover armpit hair. (laughs) He had to deal with a little bit of acne, if you will. But there's not much made of that. There's no, there's nowhere we read about that in the Bible. So what happens is oftentimes in church, we talk about what God has brought us out from and where he's taking us to. But wait, what do you do in the meantime? What do you do in that transition period? And that's what really catches my attention in these two stories in the gospel of Mark. It uses these two ambiguous words that sometimes we read over and we just don't really think about. It says this, then they crossed over. And then Mark 6 says, when they cross over. So the question is, when is then? When is then? Well, it's when it is, right? So you can do research on these two particular passages if you want to. And what you'll discover is that there is no exact timetable. We don't know exactly how long it took for the disciples in that boat to go from one side to the other side. We don't know. Brother Hogan, we don't know what the timetable was. We, we, we don't know. So before we know it, You see, a lot of people, we just want to know how long this is going to take. How long will I be in this particular spot in my life? And a lot of people, you know what they want to know? Here's what they want to know. They just want to come and they just want to say, now just tell me, what are the non-negotiable, indispensable, indisputable steps so that I can take them to ensure that I get my spiritual breakthrough? What's the steps, pastor? What's the steps, church, that I need to take? And before we know it, you and I turn the meantime into whoever knows the secret password makes it to the next level. And before we know it, our relationship with God becomes like we are relating to a vending machine where we have figured out the code and we punch it in and we get what we want. Hear me today. That's not relationship. Like what makes my marriage exciting is that my wife sometimes is unpredictable. She's in this place. 
unpredictable. And that's exciting and that's great and I love it. And what happens is that is the basis of relationship is that there are people who are involved and they are unpredictable. Oh, sure, God is predictable from Genesis to Revelation, but there is a lot of wiggle room in there. And let me tell you, God will surprise you. God will surprise you. And what happens is we start dumbing it down to seven steps that will get you to where you need to go. And where, I ask you, where do you need God then if you have the seven steps? If you know the code, you know the password, then where do you need God in that? You don't, do you? I got the steps. I figured it out. You know, one thing that I've noticed that people who are trying to get to the other side, wherever the other side is for you, I don't know what your other side is. It could be a plethora of different things. It might be a healing. It might be a miracle. It might be a ministry. It might be a blessing on your business. It might be dreams and visions coming to fruition. I don't know what the other side is for you. But what I've noticed is all these things, when we start making it just these seven steps, and then we tell everybody that if you do these seven things, I've noticed that God will ensure that those seven steps do not work. He'll ensure lest he become more like a vending machine. You got to understand, this is a relationship and God is a person and you and I must look to him, not just to concepts, but to Christ, to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's about relationship. So the question still remains, what do I do in the meantime? What do I do in this transition? And again, it's not something that we discuss a lot. I think back to my youth pastoring days, and it was awesome being a youth pastor. I had so much, there was so much, there was so much fun, a lot of great memories, a lot of late nights, and every now and then I find myself still kind of missing it, and then I remember fundraisers. <laughs> and uh, no, I, I, I did very much enjoy it, and, and every once in a while I'll, I'll miss it, and Pastor tricked me into this position, and uh, now I'm here, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I absolutely love, love my, my role. I love it. I, I love every second of this, all right? But you know, young people, God calls young people. Can you say amen? There are young people that sit in here every Sunday and Wednesday night and they hear the word of God being preached and they hear the call going out and they go home and they turn on the church podcast and they listen to a sermon on the way to school or on their way to work. And through the message, God is calling them and saying, someday you'll preach and someday you'll teach and someday you'll youth pastor and someday you'll do this. And they they sit there and their heart is pounding here in the call of God and they're going, oh, I think God has given me a vision for my future. But what we don't tell them a lot of times is that from here to here can be years. From here to the other side can be a long time. For Jesus, it was a lot of years. 
For Paul, you think about Paul. Paul gets knocked off of a donkey and he hears the audible voice of Jesus Christ and he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. How many of you think at that point Paul was ready to go and preach the gospel? I mean, he heard the audible voice of God and God shone a bright light in the face and he pulled him out of his Prius. <laughs> Trust me, God would do that, especially if you're a man. God wants you to be a man and he will pull you out of your Prius. I'm teasing. I don't. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But I mean, you would be ready to preach too, right? You see the light. You hear the audible voice of God. You would think, I am ready to preach the gospel. God says, no. For three years, you go to Arabia and Damascus and you'll be silent. Evidently, the meantime matters to God. So what do we do? Does the meantime not matter? Do we just hope and wish and pray and beg someday that the next highlight, our next promotion will come along? Or do we realize here right now that there is value and significance in the meantime? I ask you again, what do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're supposed to be? And something inside of you is burning, saying God's called me here and he's told me to go. So I ask, what do you do now? You see, a lot of people have a misconception. They think that it's only the spiritual giants that make it to the other side. They, they, they got this misconception, this idea that it's wrong, that it's only the spiritual elite that make it through the meantime. And so it becomes church culture or in church life. We look to people who have really had a breakthrough financially, physically, relationally, or emotionally, or whatever it might be. And we think they have got the secret. There's the password again. There's the mathematical equation again. And they've got the secret. And they just pray more than I do. And they read their word more than I do and they're more spiritual than I am and we think it's only the spiritual elite and so a lot of people we have just concluded and we've tossed up the white flag and we have just decided I'm never going to make it through this storm because it's only the spiritual elite that make it through and I'm not there yet I'm never going to be able to use, be used by God. And uh, it's never going to happen. This dream that I have is never going to be fulfilled because I'm just not spiritual enough. I'm not like brother so-and-so. I'm not like sister so-and-so. I'm not there yet. And so we've concluded, we've decided, I'm not going to make it. I'm not making it to the other side. But the Bible says in Mark 6.52, and we read it this morning in our text. It says that the guys in the boat that Jesus handpicked to put on a boat and cross over this body of water and to take them on a mission. I remind you, God has a mission. There's a purpose for him headed to the other side. He's not just meandering his boys through a body of water. He has a mission on the other side. 
And these guys are handpicked, the Bible says in Mark 6.52, that you remember their hearts were hardened. Their heart, did I read that correctly? Did you hear it correctly? Their hearts were hardened. And the very next verse says this. Then they crossed over to the other side. You read that and you think, those two verses should never be side by side in the Bible, should they? Hardened hearts and they crossed over to the other side. Now, if I'm God and we discover that there's hard hearts, you know what we do? We turn the ship around. All right, and we head back to the shore and I stand up and I say, look, you're going to be replaced because of your hardened heart and I'm going to replace you. I'm going to find somebody that's soft-hearted, kind, meek, mild people, not you insensitive, self-centered, hard-hearted jokers. <laughs> How many are thankful Bryce isn't God? Yes, praise <laughs> the Lord. Because if I'm God, I'm turning the ship around. <laughs> We're headed back. We're forming a new team. <laughs> but not Jesus. My Jesus takes the hard-hearted all the way across. He takes the hard-hearted. So then I mean, the text begs us to ask the question, what is it that they did to make it to the other side? What did they do? Because that's what everybody wants to know, right? What'd they do? What did they, what did they, what did they know? How did they get to the other side? And there's a lot of us here this morning and you're asking the same question. There's a lot of us in transition right now and we're trying to make it to the other side. And so we're asking the question, how do we do it? How do we make it to the other side? How do we get across? Listen to me. I believe that God is a good God. And I know you know this and I know you believe this, that God is good all the time and he wants to do good things and he wants to take bad things and he wants to turn them for your good. God wants to see the desire of your heart which he put there in the first place to be fulfilled. But Bryce, what do I do in the meantime? How do I access the other side? And I only found one thing that we can hang our hat on this morning in this text. What is it that they did to access the other side and extend the mission of their Savior? What one thing did they do? What one thing did they have? What one act? There is only one thing that I found, and here it is. You ready for the answer? You want to make it to the other side? Here's what they did. They simply stayed in the boat. That's it. They stayed in the boat. Earth shaking, right? Groundbreaking. No, this isn't deep at all. They simply stayed in the boat. It's funny. It seems so small and insignificant. It's just staying in the boat. But it's amazing. 
You know why? Because the longer you stay around Jesus, the more significant just staying around Jesus becomes. Just stay in the boat. Translation for you today, stay in the church. Stay in the house. Do whatever you can to stay connected to this body. Hear me today. That's the only way you're going to make it to the other side. You stay in. You stay in the boat. If in the meantime you stay in the boat, if in this time of transition you stay in the church, there's safety, there's protection in the body of Christ. You got to understand, there's going to be temptations. First of all, I think we can stop for just a moment. Let's just celebrate where we used to be. I know we can stop right there and we could probably have a party and we can celebrate it. Anybody agree with me? I'm not who I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. I don't think like I used to think and I don't talk like I used to talk. I'm not the dad I used to be. I'm not the mom I used to be. I'm different. I'm not who I once was and I thank God for that. But at the same time, I know in my heart of hearts that there's more. I know in my heart that the best is yet to come. I know around the corner God has even greater things for your life, for my life, for this church. I'm here to tell you, God's got more. So what do you do in the meantime? Pastor, you know what I'm convinced of? I'm convinced, I'm convinced that people in the meantime, you know what they do? They do too much. They do too much in the meantime. They try too hard in the meantime. Especially if you're a guy. I mean, guys are wired different, right? Especially if we're programmed a little bit different. Especially if we're dealing with female problems. Like our wives come to us and they start crying. And we're like, who was it? Who did it? I'll go talk to them right now. Let me at them. And she's like, babe, I just want you to listen to me. What? <laughs> listen? Is that all? I mean, guys aren't like that. Guys, if I'm having a bad day, I don't want you to just listen to me. Let's link up and let's go fight somebody, all right? <laughs> But what do guys do? We're programmed different. So what do we do? We pull our bootstraps up and we say, I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to go at it. I'm just going to, I have this problem and I'm just going to deal with it. I'm just going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do this. And what happens oftentimes, in fact, and there's men listening here this morning, right now, you have a wife, you have children and you've been in the meantime and you are just concluding, I'm going to handle it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to fix it. And you end up trying to do too much. And all your straining and effort can't get you to where God wants you to be. Hear me this morning. You have got to rest. You have got to trust in God. You've got to have the faith that he is still the captain of this ship. Come on, let's be, let's, let's. Let's go back to the text. 
Who's the one that got us in the boat? Who's the one who picked us to go in the first place? Who's the one who called us? Who's the one who saved us? Who's the one that put the desire and the dream inside of us? It was Jesus. And I'm here to tell you what he started, he will finish if we'll just stay in the boat. If we'll stay in the church. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord today? And don't tell me they weren't tempted to jump ship. You know Peter was. You know Peter was straddling the side of that boat just in a second he was ready to jump ship. Peter looking back at the shore. Man, that shore. That shore looks pretty good. They're back there. They're they're playing cornhole toss and they're playing. They're, they're barbecuing. They're batting the, the beach ball around. <laughs> I mean, they are loving life back there on the shore. And when you look forward, all you see is mounting waves and clouds and dark and storm and thick and gray by the minute. And hear me, there are going to be days like that. If you and I are going to fulfill the purpose of God and be who God's called us to be, if landmark apostolic is to continue the purpose for which God has birthed us and instituted us in this community and to be uh, an influence around the world, there's going to be days where behind you is bright, but before you seems oh so dark. But those are the days you must stay the course. And what that means for us, what it means for the mother in this place who is the housewife and loves God and has been taking care of your children, what it means for you is to stay in the church, to stay engaged, to stay in the word of God, to trust that Jesus is working all of this together for your good. The times it doesn't make sense. In the meantime, when it's all confusing, stay in the boat. If our music would come this morning, one thing I know about storms, and we had the luxury of being in southern Illinois, where if you don't like the weather, just wait a few minutes. <laughs> all right? We walk out that door, and it could be doing anything. I remember several years ago, we had an inland hurricane. <laughs> southern Illinois. Nothing would surprise us. We walk out those doors this morning. One thing I know about storms and one thing you know about storms is that they don't last. They come and they go. What do I do, Bryce? What do I do when I'm not where I used to be? but I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'll tell you what to do. You stay in the boat.
stay in the house. You stay in the church. As you stand with me, Galatians 6, 9, probably one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, and you know it well. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, I love that scripture. But again, there's the ambiguity. It's open. Hey, preacher! When's due season? Well, it's when your season is due. When's that? Well, it's due season. I, I, I don't know. Some of you right now are in the meantime. Not sure which way to go or what to do. And all of a sudden, before you know it, in an instant, waves begin crashing on your soul. Clouds are building and you are in a storm. And you're sitting there and you're filled with all sorts of questions. God, where are you in this? God, are we there yet? But you know what I've learned? It's not our job to answer all the cosmic questions. It's not our job to know what God's going to do and when he's going to do it, but it's our job simply to stay in the boat even with the waves mounting and the wind howling. It's our job to stay the course and to trust God. For if we don't lose heart, hear me, don't you lose heart. We will reap in due season, whether in this life or the life to come. I'm here to tell you, we shall reap. Notice the scripture. We shall reap. We. Everybody say we. We shall reap. You know, sometimes when you don't feel like you are reaping, you need to come to where we are reaping. You see, it works both ways. The Bible says that when you weep, I weep because we are a church. We are a family. But when you reap, I reap. And when you have success, I have success. I need you to reap because your re reaping inspires my reaping. Your miracle inspires my miracle but we need one another and I'm telling you in times of storms in the meantime we need the house of God we need this body of believers 
the community that Jesus is building to stay in the midst of fellow believers who say, hey, I'm not going to let you jump ship. I'm not going to let you jump out of this boat. You're not who you used to be, and you're going to be where you're supposed to be. And right now, it's not due season. But I suppose here today that we all need a friend in the boat who will say, hey, you're not jumping today. I'm not standing with you out here, so watch you jump. But hey, just hold on. You're going to make it. If you're in the meantime, it's simple. As you bow your head, close your eyes in this place. If you're in the meantime, you think, Bryce, I'm in the meantime. I'm not who I used to be or where I used to be, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Bryce, what do I do in the meantime? God, what do I do when I'm not there yet? It's simple. It is simple. You stay in the house. You stay in the boat. And you have a promise that you will reap if you faint not. How do I know that? Because we serve a good God who works all things together. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.